Hi everyone, I'm Rick Barron, your host, and welcome to my podcast, That's Life, I Swear. According to Yahoo Finance, currently, the United States of America is the world's largest economy, with a GDP of over $25.4 trillion in 2023. Now the key word here is currently. Let's jump into this. Before I start this episode, I'd like to call your attention to a new podcast launched a few months ago. The name of the podcast is What Do You Call This Podcast? That's a pretty cool title. The host is Kaylin Bree. Her podcasts are focused in one area, interviews. And her approach is not only whimsical, but puts you in a very comfortable state of mind. Kaylin's monologue is refreshing, and she covers various people who have crossed her life. You'll laugh along with her as she shares points of discussion ranging from the world of pole dancing, <laughs> misconceptions people have about traveling, what the world could use more of, and to a friend giving birth at home, and more. Kaylin is authentic, honest, and funny. Her interviews will take you on many different journeys, all of them worth traveling. She's like a best friend you wish you had in your life. She has about 20 episodes already in the queue. Please check out her podcast now on Spotify. Okay, let's get back to this week's episode. So take a deep breath and let this sink in for a moment. China's economy is 70% of the United States today and growing at more than twice the rate. China is at the front door knocking, poised to become the world's largest economy between 2035 and 2040, which is about 12, 17 years away. But guess what? The United States now has someone knocking on their back door. India's economy is also on track to surpass the United States economy. Now here's a data point that will make you scratch your head. Goldman Sachs predicts India will overtake the United States, becoming the world's second biggest economy behind China by 2075, maybe even by 2073. It is also predicted that when India makes this move, it will leapfrog over Japan and Germany's economies simultaneously. Now think about that for a moment. China will soon go to the head of the world's largest economy line, with India not that far behind. India's population is much younger than China's. In 2022, India's medium age was 28 years old, while China's was 41. This means that India has a much larger workforce than China, and its workforce is also growing at a faster rate. In 2022, India's economy grew by 8.7%, while China grew by 8.1%. This trend is expected to continue, with India's economy growing by an average of 7.5%, between 2023 and 2035, while China grows by an average of 6.5% per year. Now, India is becoming more integrated into the global economy. Its exports have grown rapidly in recent years, and the country is now one of the world's largest exporters of services. This integration into the global economy is helping to boost India's economic growth. We are witnessing the rise of two new economic superpowers, and it will be fascinating to see how they shape the world in the years to come. Now, of course, there are some challenges that India will need to overcome in order to achieve its economic potential. What are they? Poverty and inequality, for one. India is still an impoverished country, and there is a great deal of inequality in terms of income and wealth. 
This will need to be addressed to ensure that economic growth benefits are shared more widely. Infrastructure. There is a big one. India's infrastructure is still underdeveloped, and this is a major obstacle to economic growth. The country needs to invest heavily in roads, railways, airports, and other infrastructure in order to improve its connectivity and competitiveness. A third one, which is not very popular, corruption. Corruption is a major problem in India, and it hinders economic growth. The government needs to take steps to reduce corruption in order to create a more level playing field for businesses and investors. Now, these are just some of the challenges India will need to overcome to become the world's second largest economy. However, if it can do so, it will impact the global economy and the world order. Now, why does this matter? As with all things, change happens over time. If we go back in history, there have been countries that once held the title of being the largest economy in the world. Would you believe the Netherlands was the first state to gain clear dominance in the 17th century after its revolution led to a new financial system that many historians considered revolutionary? Now, be sure to go to my website where you can get the transcript, but the transcript will also provide a lot of links to what I'm talking about today. And in the one about the new financial system with the Netherlands, extremely interesting. So please stop by. In the 19th century, Britain took the title away from the Netherlands. Due to British dominance, the world system became stable again during the 19th century. The British expanded globally with many colonies in the New World, Africa, and Asia. Industrialization was another ongoing process during British dominance, resulting in diminishing the importance of the agricultural sector. In the 18th century, Britain was Europe's leading industrial and agricultural producer. However, by 1900, only 10% of England's population was working in the farming sector. The U.S. began to replace the British as a new dominant state after World War I. With Japan and Europe in shambles after World War II, the U.S. was able to dominate the modern world system more than any other country in history. At its height, the U.S. economic reach accounted for over half of the world's industrial production, owned two-thirds of the gold reserves in the world, and supplied one-third of the world's exports. In my research for this episode, there was a time period when India's and China's economies were dominant back in the 16th and 18th centuries, respectively. Apparently, history is going to repeat itself. Now, it's worth noting that the concept of the world's largest economy is a relatively recent one. Before the 19th century, there was no single global economy, and countries' economies were largely isolated from each other. But as the world became more interconnected, it has become possible to compare and rank countries' economies on a global scale. As for India's journey to become a world-class economy, if not one day the largest economy, many factors spring up as to why this is coming. Around 2005 and up to 2020, before COVID-19 kicked in, India maintained a real GDP growth rate of 8%, compared with less than 2% for the United States. Now, if India can keep this up for the next two decades and grow at 5% a year thereafter, there's no question it's going to overtake the United States by 2075. Another factor working in India's favor is their GDP per capita is less than 20% of China's and 5% of the United States. I mean, this huge gap in productivity per person provides India with vast opportunities to catch up. 
As the country accumulates capital and its workforce enhances its skills, it can achieve large productivity increases just by deploying the superior existing technologies. As for China, while they're facing an aging population and young people unable to find work who are expected to care for the older population, by 2035, around 400 million Chinese people will be aged 60 and over, or 30% of the population. Now, here's another data point that favors India, and that's having a population of a young and large population. Now, what does all this mean? It potentially translates into a larger workforce and consequently higher output per capita. Given that the young tend to save for old age while the old spend more than they save, a younger population also translates into higher savings and therefore higher investment. The higher the investment directly adds to output and indirectly facilitates the adoption of superior technology. A younger generation brings greater energy and vibrancy to a nation, leading to more innovation. Now, there are things to consider. Now, to be sure, India must do more to raise its labor participation rate by including more women than they are currently taking advantage of. A Goldman Sachs report stated, and I quote, a mere 25% of all working-age women in India are in employment, end quote. Less than one quarter of women 15 years old and up participate in India's workforce, compared with three-fifths in China and the United States. Additionally, better education at all levels will play an essential role in that endeavor. As for population size, India surpassed China in April of 2023 to become the world's most populous country, and the gap will only widen in the near future. And when you think about that prediction, it presents additional benefits through the economies of scale and providing public goods. Now, here's a case in point. Take, for example, India's digital payments infrastructure built on biometric identity system known as ADAR and the United Payments Interface platform, which serves as a host to hundreds of banks. United Payments Interface is an instant payment system developed by the National Payments Corporation of India. The interface facilitates interbank peer-to-peer and person-to-merchant transactions. It is used on mobile devices to instantly transfer funds between the two banks. Using ADAR to verify identity, UPI clears transactions between bank account holders in real time. The larger the number of users, the lower the per capita cost of building the infrastructure for it. Are you getting it? India is not letting the grass grow beneath their feet. Now, what do I mean by that? The Goldman Sachs report said India's government has prioritized infrastructure creation, especially in setting up roads and railways. India's recent budget wants to continue their 50-year interest-free loan programs to state governments. Why? Simple. To spur investments in infrastructure. It's relatively simple economics 101. Once an expressway has been built, for example, the larger the population in the communities around it, the lower the per capita cost of connecting them. Once these amenities have been brought into one village, the extra cost of extending them to the other nearby towns is small. Another even more pronounced benefit is that a larger population creates supply chains. A larger population means greater scope for collection and cost efficiencies. With the risk of investing and operating in China today multiplying, multinationals are switching to the so-called China plus one strategy, 
looking for an additional, less risky, but cost-effective location for their investments. Apple is already taking this step with India. Now, India has a distinct advantage in becoming that plus-one country because it constitutes the most significant single market among potential competitors. Components produced in different locations can move freely without facing a customs border. A larger internal labor market also makes for better prospects for a closer match between the skills needed and those available. Now, above all else, India needs to remember that the spirit of its economic reforms in 1991, which centered around liberalization, privatization, and globalization, that have gone some distance towards accelerating growth. If the country wants to return to being one of the world's top two economies in the next 50 years, if not number one, it must deepen and widen the reforms it began three decades ago. Now, a footnote about why China's young people are struggling to find work today. I won't give you the whole list, but here's a few of them. The rise of automation. Automation is playing a role in the decline of jobs in China. As more and more tasks are becoming automated, fewer jobs are available for human workers. And there is the 996 work culture. What does this mean? The long hours and high pressure of this particular 996 work culture makes it difficult for young people to find time to look for jobs. Again, I provided a link to this. It's good reading, so please take a look at it. Now, according to the National Bureau of Statistics of China, the youth unemployment rate in urban areas reached a record high of about 21% in June of 2023. What does that mean? It means that one in five young people in urban China is unemployed. Now, this situation is only going to get worse in the coming years as the economy slows down and automation takes over jobs. Young people in China are going to have to be prepared to adapt to the changing market and develop the skills that are in demand. Now, what can we learn from this story? What's the takeaway? It's important to note that economic rankings can fluctuate over time due to various factors, including financial policies, technological advancements, geopolitical shifts, and natural resources. As the global economic landscape continues to evolve, new contenders are going to rise up, as seen in the projected rise of China and India in the coming years. Well, there you go, my friends. That's life, I swear. For further information regarding the material covered in this episode, I invite you to visit my website, which you can find on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, for show notes calling out key pieces of content mentioned in the episode transcript. As always, I thank you for listening and your interest. Be sure to subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. See you soon.